1: ASAP. Let's get down for eSports!
0: Hello and welcome to Nerf This, the esports show that is the second people in esports to get their own signature kicks.
1: I'm your host Brian Huff, and I'm joined as I always am by Seven. Hello, sir. We get we got signature kicks. Is yeah. it, uh Are we are we just painting up some vans? No, painting no, some, vans? Oh, some Sketchers. Some Sketchers. So what are uh, what are the shape ups or was that what they are? Yes. Like, it's like- <laughs>
0: custom esports yes. shape ups. They help your calf muscles not cramp while you're gaming.
1: Right, 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 and and they work those glutes. Yeah,
0: that's the most important part. Have right, you right. seen the asses in the Overwatch League?
1: I mean, uh, I haven't. But uh, now that you've mentioned it, I'm uh, going to time out the show for a little bit so I can go Google. We are looking at you, Seagull. I'm looking at Malik. No, I'm joking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Anyways. I I cannot wait till the next time we see
0: Malik. We've got a lot (laughs) to talk about this week. Apparently, uh, it costs a lot of money to buy out a CSGO contract. We're going to talk about Immortals and some other movement going on in CSGO. AI is about to take on Dota 2, and World of Warcraft all of a sudden became an eSport over the weekend. But first, we're going to talk about something we haven't talked about in a while, which is mobile eSports. Specifically, mobile developer Critical Force, which has raised $6.3 million and is planning to expand eSports efforts around its title, Critical Ops, which is a mobile shooter, um... I am so out of the mobile gaming scene. I feel like every other week I see somebody on Twitter talking about some mobile game that has 50 million players and I've never heard of the damn thing. <laughs> this is what getting well, old feels like.
1: Well, I know even uh, Amazon is touting their, uh, I can't even remember the name of the, the tournament thing that they do. The Mobile uh, Masters? The Mobile Masters, yeah. Yep. It's, right, it's like right there in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> What's that thing right here, Seven. The hmm. thing in bold at like 50 point font. Uh, but anyway, you also have uh, was it? I think I talked about it last week. Was the N way they announced that that promotion that they were doing with like Justin Wong and Marn and, and mm-hmm. Filipino champ, which is the uh, Power Rangers Legacy Wars? Uh, like evidently because they have st- well they 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 worked with Capcom, they added in some Street Fighter characters to it. But again, it's the mobile thing that is they're they're trying to make more of a, of, of an sport around it. The fighting game is. It seems really crazy and difficult to do, I guess. Um, oh, it's horrible. But, if you've ever played a fighting game on a phone, is the literal worst. Right, but I mean, so one of the big things is, is like Tencent is making huge, huge money in China with PUBG Mobile. Yep. Like it's probably even, if I'm correct, maybe even, it's it's bigger than PUBG itself. The, the oh, yeah, the DC same is same the case for Fortnite. Like the
0: amount of right. mobile players is like far outpacing any of the standalone game. It's also the big thing with PUBG is because it's a free way right into PUBG because you don't pay for mobile you only pay for the desktop client
1: yeah and so it's it's great that the these are being offered out there like vainglory is is still continuing to go on but was arena of
0: valor i see a lot about
1: is that arena valor is huge just not in in the states and i think even shadowverse is coming more to the states is there's a lot of soon we'll have artifact
0: i imagine because that'll be
1: (laughs) I don't know if how much Artifact will actually be mobile. For everything I have seen, doesn't look like it's mobile. I it's been a while since yeah, I have checked. Yeah, that's that's going to go well in this current market. Let's make a card yeah. game that you have to sit at your PC to play, right? But also, look, it's Steam, right? So uh, <laughs> it is Valve. They it would not surprise me if they do something completely different. Uh, you know, you don't have anything Dota related on mobile, right? So. Right. Uh, if, if, if just judging by the Steam client itself on mobile, please don't let them make anything for a mobile game. Like just, <laughs> just don't stay away from it. Like it's just awful. But no, I mean, did, again, that many what was it? I think you. I don't know if you mentioned six point three million dollars in funding. Yep. Uh, a public grant in, in from from Finland. Like Finland's really all in on Critical Force making it big. Um, six point three million dollars really isn't a ton of money when it comes to actual esports and esports production and so on yep. and so forth but it is sizable for a mobile game especially one that I've not even really heard of it, but it's got 40 million downloads well That's this is the weird thing with mobile
0: is these games rise and fall so quickly and right. but the development cycle on them both money-wise and time-wise is much shorter and much cheaper than what you see for traditional games and if you can get I mean, how many console games or AAA titles don't reach that number of users that you can do for, like, making a decent mobile game? Like, there's just it's so the friction is so much lower. And obviously, they don't necessarily represent any or very minuscule initial revenue. But the microtransaction model on mobile works just as well, if not arguably better in some games, as far as, like, the ability to suck money out of the user uh, than what we've seen from games up until Fortnite, probably.
1: Yeah, and one thing that I find interesting is that, that a lot of these are, like, first-person shooters. And first-person shooter seems like the worst type of game to play on mobile. Like Historically, oh, yeah. like, it has always been the most difficult, at least for me. And even when you're watching people play uh, PUBG, essentially, even that's even though it's third-person, I believe that's actually what they do it, it's still, like, you're just like, man, those hands of, of that person are going to fall off in, like, two years. Because it's just... It's got to be horrible. We we talk about just normal people who play normal people, whatever. (laughs) We talk about like CS:GO, CS:GO, like Overwatch, any kind of like uh, you know Moba, and and just how much they suffer from like carpal tunnel and health, like repeated motion disorders. Yeah, yeah. Imagine now you're just literally just using like your thumb (laughs) half the time. It's I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's talk. very it's very strange, oh, and I've buddy. seen a lot of movement in this space over the last couple of years. Because, like, when we t- used to talk to Super Evil when when Vainglory esports was first kicking right. off, like they truly believe that mobile is both the platform, the console of this generation, but it's also going to get to more households than any other gaming format is going to get to. Everybody walking around, whether they live here, where they live, China, where they live in India, walking around has a cell phone on average. That is far more you are going to get for even all consoles combined, let alone the cost of putting a PC together. And I don't know that it's necessarily socioeconomic about why it, that's important, but the reality is is that's true. So getting fifty million, getting hundred million represents actually a relatively small amount of users with phones in comparison to like the feed of Fortnite. If they get a hundred million players, not on. Mobile, Like, that's a much bigger deal when you look at the number of people that could potentially play the game versus somebody who could, you know, install it on their phone. What I can't quite connect and I still struggle with is, like, why we think this is a generational thing. Like, it's – like, you and I could pick up and play the phone just as easily as anybody else, but they think that it's, like, bleeding edge and that maybe in three to five years mobile will be a much bigger part of the esports market because it's already a much bigger part about the gaming market, obviously – but do you, do we believe that's true? Like, do we really think this is the bleeding edge of mobile esports and it's just going to continue to get more and more popular just because the format on the phone is, is more accessible to potential players?
1: I think it depends on the format of the actual game, right, and how long it takes... Uh, for a just a general game to be completed, whether or not it's it is also cross-platform. So uh, Hearthstone is a good example. It started out uh, PC Mac only for the longest time. It took them about a, I believe about a year until they actually got onto phones, and then it was about a year past that, and mobile surpassed the amount of people using it on PC. Yeah. So and they
0: weren't even an, an, on Android initially, if I remember correctly, right? They I, did iOS first. I so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think they did iOS first, and then Android came in uh, shortly after. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, they took off and they did, um, just incredibly well in that market. But again, it's a, it's a game that you can sit down and, and normally knock out a match within 10 minutes, five minutes, depending on how aggro you're playing. Yes. But, um, but those are the same that, but it, the, one of the reasons why it's important to be on mobile and why a lot of these people I think are, are talking about like, okay, this is the, the next thing is because casual players are more likely to play on mobile than they are to go sit down at a PC. And when you get them in, playing on a phone and they can play it whenever they want to, whenever the impulse hits, they're more likely, you've, you've got more touch time and they're more likely to buy something. And uh, there was even, uh, was there like a tweet today talking about like Fortnite players that a majority of people like- 68% 68% money. of people spend money. And that spent money was like an average of like $84 for a free game. Sixty-eight percent of like hundreds of millions. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a small sample size. It was only a, well, it was a thousand. So it's not technically small, but I think there's some justice there. And like, they did talk to a thousand people and yep. <laughs> found that out. That's ridiculous.
0: That that is completely ridiculous. The thing I will say about mobile esports is I feel this is less about. Mobile esports is its own thing. It can be its own thing. It's cool. It's going to be the wave of the future. I actually don't think that's true. What I think is true is that mobile gaming will continue to grow and grow, and the technology will continue to get better, and just by the sheer volume, you can support esports, But I think that's very different than trying to say that, like, mobile eSports is like this wave. I just think that mobile games are the wave, and eSports, much like it has with console gaming and PC gaming, can just kind of ride that wave of interest in the general game to make enough of an eSports audience out of it. I still think it's really hard to—it's really weird to watch happen, like— I still can't watch a Rain right. Glory match without just being like, this feels strange. <laughs> like, yeah. Like the dude well, is just like kicking back in his chair and like <laughs> with his iPad and like using one finger and like, you know, slipping on a Slurpee with the other hand. It's just, it's, I don't know. There, it's strange.
1: There, There's something to it, right? That is, yeah, it, it makes it a little more difficult to watch, which is why when I mentioned that if it's a game that is cross platform, both PC and on mobile, um, that. You generally see the PC end of things, even when it's PC and console. Generally, you see the PC version being the um, the, the essential eSport version of it. Yep. And I mean, yep. High Res has done some different stuff where they've you know they've got their Xbox versions and their PS4 versions or the console, whatever it may be, and, and then they also do the PC runs as well. So they separate them out. Uh, Rainbow Six was doing that as well, yep. and, and so some of them are, but it generally is the dominant. Uh, the dominant one that most people are paying attention to is the PC version. Yep, yep, exactly. So we'll see where
0: that goes. Other people raising money worth talking about are Splice. So Splice raised $2.6 million from the Ledger Group, which includes uh, basketball or Meta World, Peace, and American footballer Roman Harper. Um, this is interesting. I mean, $2.6 million, to be frank, isn't a lot, especially when you look at the list of organization – or, sorry, the list of games – that they participate in, they got League of Legends, Call of Duty, Halo, Rocket League, Starcraft, Smite, and Paladins. Um, you had some speculation about this might have something to do with some upcoming franchising.
1: Yeah, this is uh, more likely the investment round to try and get them a spot in the EU LCS. Two point six million likely isn't going to get them the f- <laughs> the full payment into the EU LCS, but it is uh, positions them maybe to. I don't know, like secure the people that they need to ahead of time, maybe clean up some books, expand whatever it may be, invest in in certain areas, or at least shows that, hey, here's – because this is like the second round I think that they've done. Um, Yes, there was a
0: $1.5 million round from the same group, different parts of investors, but the ledger group uh, back in April.
1: Right, so more than likely they've burned through a portion of that money. But uh, again, I think we've we've heard what eight to ten million or, around that for an, a League of Legends team. That still is, being that's the current rumored amount. So yeah, so it it, it seems like it's uh, and Splice is definitely wanting to be in that market uh, for the EU LCS. So it makes sense. They've already got some decent uh, partnerships. Not amazing, but they've got like a non endemic like Turtle Wax. I think was the one that was mentioned. Yeah, they got Turtle Wax, Uh, Foot Locker, and Mountain Dew. Yeah, which not bad. I would say I would say Mountain Dew is kind of a normal thing within (laughs) gaming. But I was trying (laughs) not
0: to promote a stereotype, sir.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know, man. That one time when what was it when Xbox was coming out at PAX, and they did a whole thing with like Mountain Dew and Doritos. Every time that they did like. Any kind of promotional stuff from, from PAX. There was always Mountain Dew and Doritos on stage. I'm like, way to promote that stereotype.
0: Good job. <laughs> all Good we need job. is like a picture of mom's basement hanging behind them and we've checked all the boxes. Right, right, right. Yeah, so this would be interesting. I mean, they they have dropped their CSGO roster. Most of these other games are not money maker enough for them. They need League of Legends. So for them to take some extra money on to potentially you know secure or be more secure in their future spot in the franchise EU LCS, and as we saw from the nalcs franchising it is not guaranteed mm-hmm. by any means that you are going to get a spot if a lot of big money sports teams come in and want to invest
1: so i mean there is something to it here uh, in terms of not having a league of legends teams we've heard from a lot of teams uh, and ownerships that being in the lcs or uh being in League of Legends in general was not really profitable for them until the franchising piece, right? And so they started getting more stuff, uh, more, against essentially a stipend from, from Riot. Yes. Uh, and so, and with that became obviously more profitability, and so people wanted in on that. And... But what we saw, we've seen this, uh, it was about two years ago, this kind of inclination for groups to get into these smaller things like Call of Duty, right? So Spice's Call of Duty team makes them a decent amount of money. Right. Uh, Well, and if that ends up,
0: if we end up seeing the Call of Duty Pro League from Blizzard
1: right right and so it makes sense that they're in some of these other areas like uh smite paladins i mean obviously they they are in just about any time that high res starts up a, fires up a league they're in there yep. and because they're, it's again it, those are essentially kind of like franchises but they're they, they own that spot and so that's right. they're, they're making they're instead of hedging all their bets on one essentially like a dota 2 team <laughs> they're jumping into a bunch of these other ones that kind of end up they have a good chance of, of paying off. And so it's also cheaper to go out and buy a Call of Duty team than it is to go and buy a CSGO team, anyways. And especially sure. so you can go in and you say, I want the top team. Yep. And you just get them. And it's still cheaper than jumping into the. LTS. yeah and uh another important reminder here
0: is they are also part of WESA, which means when WESA does these deals like we've seen with like paladins for example and they basically say hey you can get all the WESA organizations and get a ready-made esports splice is part of that group which means that they whenever one of these right. new esports rolls up and WESA makes a deal they benefit from that because they get into a game in a more easy manner than they might otherwise or just be locked out of it in the case of paladins
1: right and i also don't think you you pull 4.1 million dollars in funding and uh A four-month period or a three-month period uh, and not have a decent enough organization or stable enough organization i mean that's uh, since if you like i said since april that's 4.1 million that's pretty sizable investment from one group though yep yeah
0: and that's not counting any money they have coming in prize money um you know they do have sponsorships and things of that nature so right uh, we'll see. I'm, you know, I, I think this is the very, very beginning of what is going to be probably a ton of news stories that start coming out over the course of the next six months as we like start to wrap up the summer split, get towards Worlds and mm-hmm. franchising starts coming our way. So we will see a lot more money raised between now and the meantime, both from teams that can get a spot, and as we saw with Overwatch League, some people that are going to raise a bunch of money for no good reason.
1: <laughs> I also forgot uh, real quick that I was talking about it's much cheaper to own a Call of Duty team than it is to go out and buy a CSGO team. I didn't realize that they actually just recently announced that they're dumping their CSGO team. Yes. So there we go. Makes sense. They they heard you. They time traveled. Maybe, Maybe. Maybe. Hmm.
0: So, occasionally about. we come across articles that are completely unrelated but make seven go, hmm. And this is what of set here. So, two, one piece of news that kind of kicked us off is that Riot entered a multi year deal in the past week uh, to headline the Melbourne esports opener, Melbourne, whichever I'm going to see. They're going to keep forcing me to say Melbourne wrong so I can get a bunch of uh, angry emails. Um, so, they've done this multi year deal. This is the second time Melbourne has been in the news around esports in the past couple of weeks. Uh, We have the Melbourne Esports Open in this Riot deal. We also have Overwatch Contenders Australia Season 2 finals coming up. We talked about uh, Melbourne potentially being on that list for the Overwatch League in general. So there's a, a decent amount going on here, and this got us kind of thinking about these interesting hubs that are starting to be created throughout the world for esports. The most prominent probably being LA, but it is interesting how this is becoming the identity of a lot of these cities, and when we start talking about esports leagues going towards regionality, some of this stuff potentially plays in, and don't minimize the potential impact of having an Overwatch League team, a whatever version of the LCS you have in your country, um... Call of Duty League, NBA 2K League. Like, there's a potential lot of these, like, smaller sports franchises that is actually a pretty good move from a city standpoint to be involved if you start drawing this kind of attention to your city, uh, maybe in a way that's easier than you would try to do through traditional sports franchises, right? It's very hard to get a traditional sports franchise into your city. Um, sorry, Seattle, about the NHL and the NBA, <laughs> and apparently the Overwatch League. Like, nobody wants to play in Seattle. Um, but it's a potential opportunity to get the, those teams and the, that revenue is starting to get to the point where it matters.
1: Yeah. And we also see some teams or some cities really kind of buying into it pretty well. Like uh, you mentioned LA kind of being the home of esports, but Dallas ESPN just ran an article earlier today that Dallas is essentially becoming the second home uh, of of esports because they've invested so much into it, which is ironic because they originally Dallas was a huge hub for gaming, um, but kind of lost some stride in the early two thousands, right yep. on the crash and stuff. But the, it makes sense. and that's also where QuakeCon has been for like the longest time, I believe as well. Yes, so it they've is. got they've they have a history with uh, gaming and esports, and now they're getting esports teams buying into that area, staying in that area and, uh, like fuel, for example. And so it's, they're wanting to build it into a hub. And it's like you mentioned, it's, it's way cheaper to do that than it is to try and get a traditional franchise. And on top of that, you don't have to go to taxpayers and have them say, Hey, will you foot the bill for a 20 to 40, Million dollar a year, a, a, a year, a year over like over over, the over like ten years. years. The poor yeah. people
0: in St. Louis that are still paying for the Rams stadium, and the Rams have now come and gone. Oh, man, just yeah, oh, it's so horrible. But there's, I mean, it, there's other cities out there, right? Columbus, you know, as much as you and I crack jokes, like. You talk about the seed right. of esports. Like Columbus, Ohio has been where MLG has been for a significant amount of time. I, they were mm-hmm. going on, I believe, when you and I lived there, which was close to a decade ago. I remember going to MLG events at just random places in Columbus when they were first starting up. And so Columbus is definitely on that map. We talked about them being a potential location for the filming of the new Call of Duty Pro League. Um, you also have European, you know, you have Cologne, which has always been associated with major esports events. Uh, London has obviously made a big play. Uh, Vegas, like I was just in Vegas a couple of weekends ago, and that whole esports arena concept, like, yeah, it's a little misleading because you walk by the giant Luxor Hotel that is draped in this, and you're like, that is the biggest esports arena ever. It's just really a bar in a corner. But it shows you how much is <laughs> important to them because they literally draped one of the most recognizable hotels in the world with this giant black banner that says esports arena. So there's a lot of cities are throughout the world that are wanting to make this a hub and when you're talking about tourism and people coming to watch this i mean i think we've seen this with like katavice right like that is another city that you would never have any reason to know exists malmo
1: yeah malmo yeah
0: malmo is another one like you and like most people would not be able to pick those out on a map or tell you what country either of those cities are in but tens of thousands of people make a pilgrimage to those cities every year for competitive gaming esports gaming in general and that's a pretty big industry to have i mean Hell, Seattle, you know, have built... Look what they've been able to build around PAX to the point where, like, they're literally just taking over every building in downtown that they can find to stick events into. So don't think there's not big money here if esports can get to the size of these more traditional video game conventions.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also... It's important for them to go to these areas where they, they see that, like a PAX, you, you fill up a convention. That's 70-something thousand people show up from around the United States and the world to, to go to this convention. So you know that there's some livelihood here that if you were to open like an esports arena, like how many uh, people would you get on an average basis? And so it is it is something that uh, is, from a demographic standpoint, you, you look at these regions and, and it makes sense to start – building a hub in places like seattle in places like dallas dallas even austin hits fits the bill as well san antonio is pushing it more now i mean they also have a pack so like we've there seen are boston make an regions, attempt at boston it. <laughs> but even philly is a perfect example like there's a lot of gaming community and there's a lot more going on there so there's it, reason being is like melbourne is going after it pretty hardcore right now they're trying to get uh there's been the rumors about the them getting their own Overwatch League team, and now yeah. they're now this is is being thrown in the in the in the face of Sydney essentially. Yeah, well, and <laughs> so this, hey, and this is we're, we're going indi- to be the esports hub of Australia. Exactly. This is the, usually the indicator. Now, that's not to say that they will
0: get it, but when a city's going for that, you will see this kind of things, right? Like we signed a deal for an esports event that's going to happen in like five years, but we're showing that we have a long term commitment to esports, and that's a hell of a lot more we've seen out of Sydney well, at this point. <laughs>
1: And when you have those long-term commitments, you're basically saying we're creating an infrastructure from like a filming and studio standpoint that you can bring events here and throw it. So it's almost like a a tourism thing, right? So that's why L.A. is the hub of it all because they have so many people already doing film and television. And then the developers The infrastructure is there. there. The infrastructure is there. The developers are are there now, right? I mean, even so, like, it just helps them because – Burbank right around the corner essentially yeah they just go to there's a million television studios and they've used every one of them yeah <laughs> I mean and you can you literally walk down Burbank and you see all everybody everybody owns a studio you get a studio you get a studio everybody gets a studio yeah. and all these are like garages and you'd be really surprised at what some of these things are, are filmed in uh, you know when I was at mixer this past week it's essentially a converted conference room but it looks like a whole studio but it's a conference room in one of their buildings out in Redmond. When, you go, when I was doing the stuff in Burbank, it is essentially like somebody just – it's its a small studio space, and it is literally about enough for maybe four people to sit all the way across. That's about as wide as that studio gets. But it doesn't take a ton of space for general esports, and that's one of the bonuses is that it can be um, – if you have the infrastructure there, you don't need stadiums for it. You can do it in such small spaces and hotels and, and – Uh, conference centers and you don't need to build a stadium out of it and it's perfect for tourism it it, as well
0: yep and as i said earlier gamers are willing to travel we've seen that with these conventions oh yeah so yeah they've got disposable income and if you get that group into esports enough like maybe they will travel and the funny thing is is we are currently talking our way out of all the things we usually say about regionality and that we're not sure that it could work i'm less skeptical about like these event driven things like worlds and Inter- the international and like hosting those like a dream hack makes a whole lot of sense. I think where it falls down a little bit for me is like, is there enough people in Seattle that care to show up and fill a 400 seat well, arena on a
1: weekly basis? So that there's a difference between saying, uh, will these, these areas be hubs for things versus regionalities of being able to support a team? Cause like I said, you have to have enough of an infrastructure there to show that it is worthwhile to to build there or build, build a league there or a team there. And having a team, like an Overwatch team in Seattle, while Seattle will likely have the infrastructure for it, but if you go to some of these other cities, they don't necessarily. And when you have that infrastructure uh, in place, you want to be able to support it year-round with multiple things, right, and not just one game. Because if it is just one game, you get a bunch of people who are just like freelance and it goes away and never really actually grows. So you can't just build an arena or convert a space for it. You have to find other use for it. That's why these studios are, they're small. You can just tear it down, put something in this, in its place. I I think, uh, I don't know if they, maybe it's not the greatest thing to talk about, but there was, uh, I'm trying to think of the game that um, was being cast at the same time when I was doing Hearthstone, but it was actually being cast on the Hearthstone set, but they had just put a different backdrop in front of it. So they were literally like behind, like, yeah, so they had the entire like false wall up. And for me to actually get back to the green room, I had to walk around behind the stage, which was walking past all the Hearthstone podiums to leave that <laughs> studio space. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're sitting there casting. It wasn't Rocket League. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they're they're you know shouting and, and shout casting all this different stuff. And I'm like walking behind, like please don't knock over a sword or a shield. <laughs> like <laughs> the
0: whole set just collapses in the middle of this. But
1: legit, they are on the same stage. They just threw up a wall, and you can't tell. It Looks like this great studio space because you're, you're in so tight in these spaces that you don't realize that outside the camera view is just nothing, whatever it may be. Yeah. Walls. <laughs> it's Hearthstone. <laughs> well,
0: I remember the very first event you and I went to, that random studio. It was a little bit bigger TV studio, but you and I went to that first Hearthstone event, and like yeah. catering was like three feet from where the people were casting. <laughs> right. It's just like, hey, Frodan, you want a sub? <laughs> you just like toss it up to him in the middle of the cast. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see, but this is interesting. I, I think there is a something to be said about not just the gaming industry but more specifically like esports potentially like being a big play and if you could be the city like I'll, you talk about cities like bidding for wrestling events for example like where WrestleMania is going to get yeah. held is like a massive thing and if we get more and more of these these esports leagues spinning up and getting a lot of traction like being the city that hosts the Overwatch League finals being the city that hosts the Call of Duty Pro League finals we already see this with Worlds we see this with the International and the money in that. If there's enough of that happening, it's another good way to do it. And like you said, a lot less investment. You don't have to build a three hundred thousand person stadium to fit everybody. To- three hundred thousand. Oh my goodness. Oh, we're big. That's like the it's like the shoe in Columbus times three. So it could exactly. happen. It could happen. There's taxpayer money. It will be good. Oh well, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, we're gonna talk about some player movement in CSGO and a little bit about bots and Dota and we're back and uh, there's some roster movement going on here which is going to be very interesting given that this has some impact on the upcoming e-league premiere event the first thing to talk about is team envy has released all their csgo players they are looking to sign a whole crew of na players which is not surprising because this is the organization that has Dallas fuel um they Mm -hmm. dropped everybody including even like their academy team they just said we are done with the european (laughs) csgo scene (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, this probably has something to do with the fact that the like, Dallas is, is trying to grow more as an esports hub, and and he's more than likely finding uh, the ability to to get more investment money uh, for Envyus in in the United States, and have them all grouped together in the states makes sense because you can pull your resources right, and so uh, again, you can start getting sponsors that go across all of the different brands, so on yep. and so forth, like Jack of so the Box. It, yeah, man. Yeah, right. You just got to watch your XQCs on those. But it's one of those things. It's I like it solely because it's another CSGO team that is trying to be based in North America and hopefully signs NA players. That is what I'm hoping for because I, I want to see, especially since Cloud9's had a, a rough go this year, I want to see more, um, more uh, stronger NA CSGO. I really want to see it because I felt like we were on a good groove for a while. It's been up and down, up and down. I feel like we're on a downward trend right now, and some liquid fans will probably yell at me. But I I think that's. (laughs) it feels like it feels like where we're at.
0: Yes, and we and to be clear, the highs were not very high before we started the (laughs) downtrend. We had one major, which was the high, and then we yeah we basically had optic optic tripped and fell into.
1: Well we had this we had the Cloud Nine winning the major yeah, as well. So we actually had a major. So we we've had optic and then they blew up and now they're almost pretty much Cloud Nine again. <laughs> especially they just I think they're they're what, subbing in Mixwell and whatever. So now we're essentially three quarters optic. I don't know. It's optic nine is what everybody's jokingly calling it or you should get a green cloud nine shirt is what you should get oh i should do that i should do that and we'll go to the premiere event yeah (laughs) all right see this is this is where the best
0: ideas happen
1: (laughs) the green cloud
0: instead of the green wall yes the green cloud this is how we're making signs this is happening that's it yep
1: i'm gonna put these on shoes too oh that'd be so cool Green clouds on shoe (laughs) whatever anyways
0: (laughs) oh man i was trying to think of some hipster shoe brand but i don't wear hipster shoe brands three buck pumps boom that is not a hipster shoe brand i'm thinking like what are they all birds or whatever that everybody's wearing and the tom's bullshit Sperries. Sperries, yeah that'd be that'd be another one I don't know. This became a sneaker podcast. We don't want this to happen.
1: (laughs) Where are we with this show?
0: (laughs) Another interesting piece of news has come out that it appears both NBK and Apex have a $800,000 buyout in their G2 contracts, which is interesting because both of these players tried to make a move recently. I believe it was NBK trying to make the move to C9 and Apex to Sports. So the fact that neither of those happened Probably has a lot to do with the fact that these players who are currently benched on G2, by the way, both have like near million dollar buyouts, which is (laughs) significant. Um, If you're like, "Ah, I need a bench player, like, sure, a million (laughs) dollars. Never mind.
1: Right. That's also Jordan, uh, nothing playing on Mouse Sports is also like a bargain at that point. Like, yeah, a a million, well, $800,000 for a player who, uh, I mean, they're solid players. Not knocking them necessarily, but it, it again when you look at the price pools and stuff that's coming from CS:GO, having a buyout that high, we we see it all the time. We see you see it in like Premier League soccer, the buyouts yes. like two hundred million dollars. Well,
0: there's been bigger buyouts
1: in yeah. CS:GO. Like there was a period of time where
0: there were Mortals players who were rumored to have over a million dollar buyouts in their contracts.
1: Well, uh, I mean that probably makes sense to protect your investments kind of right. thing. that's just a protect investment it's no but really where it gets scary to your
0: premier league reference is those buyout clauses started out as a deterrent now they just start out as a way to make extra money when you do the transfer fee <laughs> yeah
1: right and that's that is kind of scary and there was i'm trying to think who was talking about it beforehand uh, recently on twitter they they were talking about how there's a lot of people in csgo who are trying to demand like higher uh, amounts of money in terms of just uh just the normal pay rate, and he was saying that like you've gotta prove yourself these are these are people who are kind of coming up from smaller teams uh maybe've been scouted been being pulled in, but they aren't proven, and then they're wanting like these high um you know high wages essentially, and then we look at these eight hundred thousand dollar buyouts, and he's like, mm, yeah, maybe they they are still a bargain it would, which is might scary because that's what that's what ends up happening right you yeah. have these the,
0: we'll try somebody it, it, else out because that's still a hell of a lot cheaper than eight hundred K. And then we gotta yeah. remember this is a, this there's no franchising in CSGO, so like the revenue model is already a little bit shaky. So well, there's
1: well, there's the Wesa model. <laughs> the Wesa, WESA franchise. Well, sorry,
0: I forgot to tag the word legitimate in the front of it. Yeah, there you go. The, that's that. right, right, right. But probably the biggest news out of CSGO this week is that Immortals has we talked to the Ruber about this. Immortals acquires Brazilian esports brand MIBR, And, uh, also got the SK gaming staff (laughs) and pretty much here we are. We heard, we heard rumors of this many months ago. There was a lot of travel happening to South America for just fun and profit. It turns out it was Noah's really about potentially uh, scouting some future Immortals players.
1: I mean, Noah has been trying to invest in the Brazilian reason region, um, yeah, just South American CSGO in general for for quite a while. I mean, I think the the rumors of him buying into uh, someone uh, like a team or whatever, it may be, has started all the way back in January. Yep. Um, and then we heard that the event was coming on the 23rd. It's going to be made in Brazil. And it's also because uh, they had already acquired them, but they didn't have a roster for it. They want to bring MIBR back to um, Brazilian CSGO. And, well, we we also heard the rumor that SK's whole lineup, uh, their contracts were coming up. And then, boom, it it happened. And so you want to talk about million-dollar buyouts? I I bet you those are tacked on. If those other guys in in France are worth $800,000, these are million-dollar buyouts. And But this is what the the crazy part is, is what it's done to E-League. I'm getting a little bit of deja vu here. right. I mean, the, the fact that E-League Season 1 had um, Luminosity uh, essentially made in, into the, the, the actual playoff brackets, made out of the group stage, but then SK... Yeah, it was, it was Luminosity, correct? Yes, Luminosity. And then SK went and bought out their, their roster, which left them without a team. Then there's a whole shakeup of, like, well, what do we do? And so the ruling at that point in time was SK essentially... Um, still doesn't get a play because they were also in there. They had dumped their roster and picked up that roster, right? Yep, yep. So SK, it does not get the spot. It stays with Luminosity. Luminosity doesn't have a roster, so they're bumping them, and then they bump someone else back up in their place. Yep. Well, here we are again where we have the, the E-League Premier League going on, uh, and now an SK was in it, but SK now does not have a roster. Yep. So does it go to MIBR? Do they get replaced? They have to be replaced at this point in time. They've had to miss the window because the window... I mean, this starts in like two, three weeks. Exactly. And what is
0: interesting here too is because this is a smaller format for this premiere, there was no invitational there was no right larger field which means you don't have as clean of a solution to pluck somebody into it as you've had in the past because you can say oh you were the runner up from the invitational you can go into you know this spot since this other team can't make it like you're gonna right, have to right, just right. randomly invite another team and do they just do the weird thing of like well sk doesn't have a roster so you're off we've decided to invite mibr
1: yeah And so, but that's, that puts them in a weird spot because the precedent has been set that it, it stays with the team. And if that team doesn't have a roster, then that roster goes. Now they may have reworked this. There may be something in the contract contracts can, I mean, E-League has learned in this scenario, (laughs) right? I'm I'm sure things have, have changed. There's, there's probably something in this uh more than likely it's just one of the things where, like the time of year for this event is a really rough time of year as we can see like yep. splice is dumping their team all these people like all these contracts are centered around like right around this time this kind of june july era area in which a lot of uh contracts dump out and, yeah, and so, a so there's a lot of shake up right? and rosters and csgo or sorry e-league chooses to have an event at this point in time so they've they have to try and Maybe that's why they only There's cut something because they're like, well, if we go to 16, we're less likely to find a good replacement. <laughs> if we cut that in
0: half, we got eight backups. So
1: no, right. Yeah. Luminosity to SK. and Now SK is like, oh man, it's maybe Envy
0: will put together a roster
1: faster. And I, I would love to see immortals in it. Like I, or sorry, MIBR in it. Like, I think that'd be, be great. Um, I'm not really sure who you would throw in there as well. Um, if it depends on it. That by throwing in MiBR, you're at least getting a, a completely different region, and that was essentially what SK was. Like you're still getting a region, so you're still getting uh, EU teams. You still have some NA teams, and you're still getting someone from from Brazil. And I think that would be smart to switch it over to them. People are going to gripe and complain, but SK just doesn't have a team and. I mean, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> like, yep,
0: yep. And and this is and they don't not they just don't only not have a team, but like they took their roster like they, they took the whole like staff people from SK as well that were involved in this. So you've got SK gaming that basically it was so this kicked off like June, the beginning of this month where there was this story going around about how the players basically took off their SK jerseys. Because there was no, the organization was refusing to provide a practice facility. So this does not scream like an organization that's going to turn around and grab another CS:GO roster in the next few weeks and jump right back into the scene.
1: No, no. I mean SK's in a couple of different areas. I mean they're even in, um, even in Hearthstone. So that they may go that route, same route as, as Splice and try and jump in these smaller areas. I mean they're, as we mentioned before, they're in Paladins and they're in a couple of different things. I believe they're still in Paladins. Basically anything said, they're still there. And so they still have options and, and obligations in other areas. So jumping right back into CSGO is uh, probably not the smartest thing right now. Yep. I mean, to, to build a team up completely from scratch at this point in time with CSGO, not necessarily a, a great thing. I don't think so. I think you get you have to find something. And even when you when you are like a mid-rank team, because people are going to assume that SK Gaming has got to be top-notch because they've been top-notch for so long, right? Yep even though so long is technically like two years and they bought the team that it's was an already whatever. Right. I mean, they did go out and like buy the, the, the strongest team at that time. And so it's, um, it's I don't know. Feel I, weird. I, don't, I don't see, I don't see them jumping right back into it. I think they'll sit on it for a little bit and maybe try and piece something together. Maybe find Makalele, uh, see if he wants to join. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um,
0: If you're not following along, this will now mean that MIBR's roster will include Boltz, Coldzera, Fallen, Fallen, furs and stewie 2k your boy stewie
1: not made in brazil not made in brazil stewie made in san francisco i believe
0: <laughs> well now you're gonna what jersey you're like your players are going all over the place you're you're you know you're now optic nine like what are you gonna do
1: uh i don't i don't know i i really it's it's such a weird things are just so weird now um the I, rosters. I'm waiting for the so retro. Nine, I gotta stick with Cloud Nine. You, okay, just but making sure. but it's it's weird now because you know you've got the the people uh, the Cloud Nine that I really enjoyed and fell in love with is like now part of like Mal Sports and XSK Gaming now MIBR and then now they're technically Optic and uh, or they've retired and they're commentating or whatever you want to call it uh, or they're benched. So it's it's a different team, but that's just. I mean that's That's what happens in keep, sports keep with it. seven. That is right. what you in to. sports. Right. You gotta stick with it. So I'm still on Optic Nine NBR. Well Well <laughs> hopefully
0: NBR mouse sports retro esports jerseys will become a fashion thing in a few years and then you can start wearing some hilarious. like throwbacks. And there you go. You yeah. can wear a Stewie Two K cloud Nine. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. All right, let's talk a little bit about Dota two. So at the International last year, there was a one-on-one show match between a professional player and a AI bot. They're apparently going all in on that this year. A different company called OpenAI5 has created a new bot that can play Dota 2 as a team at the 5,500 MMR rating, which represents roughly the top 1% of all Dota 2 players. And they will be playing against a yet-to-be-named group of professionals at the International 8 in Vancouver.
1: This is actually kind of cool. This is a, a neat like show match, essentially. Um, I, I, I This kind of stuff is just super cool, just to even see. It, it's... It's when they they did the the show matches at uh, the international last year. It was kind of awkward because you got like the guy up there who's trying to explain it to everybody, and it's just like just play it, play it against bots and see if the bots can kill, like see what you can do. And yeah. but it was cool. You had like Dendi up there, and Dendi was just uh, again talking about what was going on. It was just like wow, this is this is actually way more difficult than I thought it was. And they started you you kind of see like the bots coming back and winning a bit here and there. I, I like this. This is this is neat. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to see this kind of stuff done with like StarCraft as well because they've been doing a lot of AR work. They mentioned that at BluesCon, even. Yep.
0: Yep. I and they see were, some they more were that opening up APIs AI stuff as well. Yeah. And when you're talking about. So, what is fascinating to me about this is how they trained it. They basically could like warp time so they could go through a match very, very fast and it played against itself. And over time, they actually witnessed the team develop very specific play styles at different stages of the game, and they would repeat similar styles of play without repeating the play itself throughout the game. Where it, like got this personality as a team, which is just like mind boggling to me. Like this is just so crazy to see, like how quickly they've been able to do this, and for it to train itself, oh, yeah. and it's. They said
1: it was. What was it? 180 years worth of games against itself every day. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Doesn't have to worry about carpal tunnel. Doesn't have to worry about like, is this the future of mobile gaming right here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I
0: don't don't actually have to do anything. I just watch it play itself.
1: These are really cool experiments, and and in some ways, you have to look at like, how do you dial these down or implement these in gaming in some way, shape, or form? Right. I mean, it's it's cool, but you can't have the top one percent AI out there being the AI for your game, because bot games, you have to have different levels of, of plays. You have to be able to make mistakes so that people can beat them. Uh, if they're completely flawless, it's very, very difficult. I mean, but that's... That's cool. I mean, if, if this is a open AI, it'd be like an interesting way to like scrim, uh, as well. Yeah. And that's what um, they are talk some of the players yeah. were talking about in the
0: interviews. Is like, this is a good way for us to practice. So they've actually opened this up already to professional organizations that they've partnered with for them to start scrimming against it. So, and if it can figure out ways to get better as it plays professionals, like that's, that will also be cool and this is not just some flash in the pan like this startup's backed by elon musk so there's definitely some money and some belief behind that and i know it's going to mars it's going to mars in a roadster dota 2 on mars that's it next year that's what that's what we need all right well we're gonna take another quick break and when we come back it's time to dive into all things blizzard (laughs) and we're back and we're gonna talk a little bit of hearthstone first you had the opportunity actually earlier today uh, we've got the upcoming 2018 hct summer championship and you got invited as you always do because you're esports famous to uh talk to some of the players
1: (laughs) Well, it's just a general kind of press conference with multiple people. It just wasn't. I like even, how you're although, downplaying
0: it. You're down like, it, no, 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 I'm not that
1: big. of a deal. We've we've been in this spot before with them, where you kind of uh, you're at a, 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 multiple press people are talking via a WebEx client chat, whatever, and you're getting to speak with players. And yeah, you, look, I look, get, you, I get asked, I get asked. Ask we're on mixer, You're famous now. It's okay. Yeah, That's right. Just, that's just right. own it. Boom! This week in esports is now mine. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> does Kate
0: know that? Just kidding.
1: I, yeah. Well, maybe it might be mine. I, I have to pay for the light that almost fell over. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the budgets that, are tight is, here, sir. That that aside, that aside. Uh, but anyways, it's yeah. It's funny being in those those kind of environments because. I'll ask an esports question, and somebody will ask, "What is your favorite Witchwood card?" I will ask an esports question. They'll say, "Hey, what do your parents think about you playing in yes. esports?" And it's like, "No, stop it!" Uh, so do you play on a stuff. phone or an iPad. The world must know. <laughs> it, it, so it's it's nice to be able to talk to. Um, I got to talk to a select few people. I, I spoke with Bunnyhopper, Rays. Um, and killing all day, I got to speak to and dog as well. And I um, love esports names, yeah, right. I I had the chance to speak to one other person, but I couldn't do it because I'm I'm in the middle of moving across country, so I I had to miss out on that one. But uh, the one person I really wanted to talk to was race because he has he's the only person out of uh, this entire group to bring warrior. Now, this meta for this tournament this coming uh weekend is uh significant in the fact that like every uh, finally, we have every class represented, even if it's only one person bringing Warrior, which was the lowest class. Uh, but there, it's it's a really diverse uh, group of, of players and lineup. And so, uh, Race, being from Brazil, brought uh, Quest Warrior, which is something that I'm a huge proponent of. But I kept seeing all these people on Reddit like flaming him for for bringing this deck, and I might be eating my words, but I really, really like this deck because your casting career like, oh, depends on this prediction. <laughs> Well, actually, some packs are also on this because I put my money where my mouth was. And I said, race is going to take it because I like his lineup. And everybody's like, well, it's so anti-aggro and only like two people brought aggro. What's well, not anti-aggro? He he tricked that deck out to essentially work against control. And it also continues to work against um, uh, to aggro. And so I, I asked him about it. I was like, why did you make that? Those were my assumptions. Uh, because I started playing that deck on ladder. By the way, I'm like 8-0 with it. I just started playing with it. That's great. It's great. If you uh, can I, pilot it, anybody can. <laughs> if I can win a game, there well, you go. Well, because everybody knows the casters actually are really bad at the game. Not always. I mean, some of them are fairly solid, but, uh, yeah, there some of them lack knowledge and, and maybe some place, whatever. But I, uh, just looking at this, I'm like, he tweaked this. So it's like faster. Like he's going to trigger the quest faster. He'll do, um, it, which is good against some control things like against warlock and stuff. Cause, Especially against big spell mage because you get later in the game and you're just like, well, they just kind of steamroll you with Jaina, so you need to start like being able to bomb them with that eight damage hero power. So I really, really enjoyed it, and I so I said, hey, what are your reasons? And he's like, well, this is the reasons why. And I'm like, yes, I'm smart enough to read this. I'm, I'm smarter than Reddit in this one aspect at least. Um, so I really liked him. I and I talked to Bunny Hopper, who just I think he's wrapping up his PhD right now. Priorities, uh, man. His, priorities. His, yeah, well, that was kind of what he was saying. They were like, "Well, are you going to continue to play?" And it's like, "No, I'm getting my PhD." Like, peace out. This is this is good <laughs> side money. Like, it's a side. It, it was it was essentially like him almost saying that he's like, "Well, I'll see where things go for like maybe another year, but ultimately, five years down the line, I'm going to be using that PhD." <laughs> Look, let me <laughs> ask my parents what they think about that. <laughs> he actually mentioned that I think he took a quarter off for that. No, that was Dog. Dog took a quarter off because again, people ask the same question. Like, what do your parents think? And it's like I took a quarter off, and they wanted to like kill me. Um, my favorite Can't moment, we just though, ban those people. Like, we've got AI that can play
0: at a fifty five hundred MMR. We don't have something that can just like bleep out people's stupid esports
1: questions. <laughs> I know. My 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 favorite moment though was uh, occasionally I'll just like hop in and, and just. I don't know, meme people uh, in these things because I have to, to stay sane. Uh, but somebody goes, who do you think is the best Hearthstone player in the tournament? And like, Oh my gosh. Well, like anybody who doesn't say themselves shouldn't be there. But anyways, bunny hopper is like, well, you know, trying to be humble about it. I wouldn't be humble. I just humble like, brag it, but totally me. Anyways, neat. He was like, "Well, you know, I hadn't really thought about that." And I go, "Wait, did I hear Yokad <laughs> <We're laughs> chilling all day?" And he goes, "Oh no, sorry." <laughs> he's like, "No, no, 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 sorry." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, he this Yokad? How dare you?" Um, which Bunny Hopper, if you ever like get a chance to like see him or it, 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 an interview with him, whatever, he's uh, like a sleepy German man at the wheel. So <laughs> for him to get a little bit of a rise what? out of it and just totally shut me down. Um, it was kind of funny. But so, the, I mean, overall, I, I think that the, it's going to be a, a good showing this weekend. The the uh, Chinese teams have a really cool lineup. They're usually like a wild card in this. and A lot of people don't know what they're bringing because they they've kind of work on their own <laughs> version of WESA in China. So nobody knows what's going on. They just like four people appear like, hey, we're the people from China and we're in this tournament. Like, I don't know how you got here, but all right, cool. Um, so they're actually they working on a different point in system. That was a long way of saying it. Um, sorry. And, uh, I fell asleep during that What? Yeah. Right. And, uh, but I don't, I, I think the, the meta is different enough. We don't have like the same four decks. It does change up a little bit. Uh, all decks are, are all classes are represented. We're only looking at, um, you know, a handful of players. I think we're like a uh, 16 this weekend. Uh, so I, I, I'm excited about it. I'm I'm glad that I it will hopefully be in in done flying by the time it all kicks off. So awesome! Well, the tournament will kick off as you
0: said, uh, June 28th through July 1st. So if you want to check that out, you could do that over on Twitch. And speaking of Twitch, I don't know that I ever thought I would utter these words, but Uh-oh. World of Warcraft esports has broke <laughs> 100k concurrent viewers on a single stream on Twitch. To put that in perspective, now this is just a the so this is the Mythic Dungeon Invitational Grand Finals, and they've been doing these Mythic Dungeon Invitational weekends throughout the month of April and May, and those were averaging around thirty five k. You know, you know, doing okay. Um, probably a better perspective is the Arena World Championships, which we saw, you know, and this tends to happen at BlizzCon in general. But at BlizzCon this last year, like it had a pretty good following of people there at the event as well. That peaked at right. seventy nine thousand. Pales in comparison to this mythic dungeon invitational, which was essentially like side by side speed runs. But I don't know what the hell happened or who the hell told somebody.
1: But that was kind of just weird to see. When you mentioned it, I was like, "This is actually probably a I don't, a really good path for Warcraft to go down from an esports perspective because right. arenas are really sort of." Hard to follow. Like we we've all they've all, they've been around for a long time, and I I find myself enjoying them when I'm at BlizzCon, but it's largely like a, I'll watch a few matches and kind of move on because it's it's it, depending on the year. It, sometimes it used to be like really really fast, like boom boom boom, boom match yeah. is done, and then it started getting these like drawn out like heel fests, and it was like a stalemates, and they they've always been trying to balance it to make it like entertaining, essentially, and to watch and still competitive. But I mean, this is kind of taking that whole um, uh, speed running aspect of it, and and giving you know making people like run through there. And I think you can, you know, you can do things like jumping into their comms and listening to it, and the team aspect of it. I think there's a lot more there to it. Yep. And a hundred thousand people watching it. Um, hello, Overwatch League. Uh, <laughs> uh, are you sweating it a little bit, like? Yeah. That's a little crazy, isn't it,
0: though? Like, what are we yeah. going to do if we end up in a bit of place where, like, if the Mythic Dungeon Invitational on a random weekend in June can pull 100,000, even if the Overwatch League the Overwatch league has got to pull, like, quarter of a million plus for that not to seem too close to the Warcraft Invitational for if I'm working at the yeah. Overwatch League.
1: I mean, in all honesty, like, the, Warcraft doesn't get a ton of things thrown at it from eSports. Nope perspective right and so this is something that blizzard was doing it was hyped up pretty well within that community so they are going to show up i mean they were already showing up a, a fairly sizable number on the weeklies which was like i think they said it peaked uh like fifty-two thousand yep. was right around like 30 35 somewhere around there and so like those that was that's a solid showing that's better than in all honesty that like a lot of the hcc tour stops are getting for for hearthstone or H C C
0: on any given week. HCC
1: yeah, there's something here. When a hundred thousand people show up to watch people play Warcraft and speedrun dungeons, essentially, like you've got yourself something. And unfortunately, you probably they probably weren't prepared for this. I don't think they were. Because they they don't hype Warcraft esports.
0: No, especially at all. not this. I mean, we usually see the show match here or there at BlizzCon, right? Like they'll they'll get some famous raid group and they'll do either like a new dungeon right. that they're announcing or things um along that vein but what they haven't done is something like this it is an official competition and there's two things interesting about this one we have the speed run culture in gaming you know youtube is full of popular youtubers that do speed runs and for a lot of you that are younger or have not played warcraft for as long as seven and i have raiding was like a cottage industry that you could right. make money on as a standalone. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Like, I mean, you have to think back to the days of, like, For the Lore and... and um Or the stuff that Alex Albrecht did for the the uh, Lich King stuff. Like, there was... Like, you could, like, literally just... We'll show you how to raid, or you could watch us raid, and that was a way to make money. There was a lot of YouTube shows that were built up around that, a lot of video shows in general that were around that. And this tickles that issue. That's still a pretty massive audience. Yeah, it's not... Overwatch, but these people are still paying a subscription in a genre that has long given up on the subscription model because they love the hell out of this game. So, yeah, are these maybe your traditional esports fans? Probably not, but that doesn't matter.
1: Like, 100K out of the Warcraft on Twitch is great. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Well, it's very much like it's it has more of a, a feel like you get like within the FGC, right? People playing Smash, a game that's not necessarily it's well it is getting more supported by by Nintendo but they again it was is grassrootsy built on something that essentially wasn't uh backed by uh, a company it was just people breaking out old school uh consoles and playing games on actual CRT TVs right like that kind of thing and that's essentially when i again for me having not played Warcraft in a little while uh is just when I hear this, like speed running dungeons, like that was, those were fun moments when I played yep. and, and it's like, Oh, I, I'm totally, I, I want I'm going to go back and actually watch this uh, because it's just, you were saying like, they're doing like Carazon and stuff like that. I'm like, Oh man, I totally remember that. And the mythic part, the mythic dungeon format allows them to kind of revisit all of the old school raids that people love essentially. <laughs> That people loved. And so you're getting the, the nostalgia group. And people who maybe aren't a CSGO fan or whatever, or people who weren't even alive when Warcraft was that popular, maybe don't get the nostalgia piece, but <laughs> they won't. Uh, it, but it is drawing in more eyeballs. Yep. This is, uh, I would love, I would absolutely love to see them do something more like this more often.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I uh, Project Lore was the show that I couldn't think of earlier that Alex Albrecht did, and that was.
1: And also, real quick, just to mention, uh, I do believe I don't know. I I didn't watch it. Do you know which studio it was out of? Do you happen to catch which studio it was actually running it?
0: No, I mostly was just watching. They were doing Carazon, so I was just like enthralled yeah. with watching
1: the fact that they were doing one of my favorite dungeons. So, historically, the MLG MLG out of Columbus has been doing the arena warcraft stuff, stuff right? arena yeah. stuff so i'm wondering if they're doing this as well which would be awesome because they've got the new space to do this kind of stuff I mean, largely it was remotely whatever but still uh it's, they've got it's you know, you've you got the space you've got the production people might as well keep using them especially yep. when you, you may have stumbled onto something
0: 100k it's probably the highest number they've seen on anything produced at that studio in a while so that, that's significant. Maybe they should start running some HGC ads on the on the Mythic oh. Dungeon Invitational. Burn. I'm sorry. That was mean.
1: Jules, Jules is going to hunt you down.
0: I know. She's just going to start like swearing you. at me in the show notes. I'm going to be just randomly reading a story one morning <laughs> for, for the Daily something Show. Just, and it's going to be like, blah, blah, blah. Go
1: fuck yourself, Brian. Wait, what? What? <laughs> I'm gonna say she she'll hunt you down, and beat you with your own shoes. But then, but what she'll do is she'll customize those shoes. Oh, look at you with. practicing the
0: transitions! I'm so proud. Yes. But still, my look—you go on one Hearthstone cast. Now all of a sudden you're running the show. Go ahead,
1: sir. Talk about the I do next story. This is like the second time I, I've thrown you an easy nope, easy nope. transition Talk about the
0: story. Go ahead. You've got you've oh done no, no, my no, no, job.
1: No. Oh, is this where I do so, witty commentary? Okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah. You better hurry. Better hurry yourself up. <laughs>
0: People are like, why did I turn into this? So I don't know why. So the next couple stories are just stupid, but they made us laugh. And (laughs) I I don't even know where to start with this one. So for some reason, we felt it was useful to start a story about professional Fortnite player myth teases a sneaker design with his logo. Embrace yourselves, folks. He painted three stripes on a shoe. (laughs) If only somebody else would have thought of that first, they but could be the sneaker mogul that is TSM's myth.
1: I, I think uh, he should have actually done a, uh, done the art on Adidas shoes, not uh, the Vans, because <laughs> it would have been uh, cooler to see stripes going both ways.
0: Yes, straight it would have just been like, like, blow like, your mind, the visual illusion like, of things. Is
1: he running forward or backward? I can't tell anymore. Well, he just that's why he's so good at
0: Fortnite. He just exactly. like confuses you with his stripes. I just, uh, this is stupid.
1: I just, this is hilarious.
0: I like how we make this like a big deal. Like, I saw like a more clickbaity version of the headline. I'm like, oh my God, did like some low level sneaker company like sign somebody up for a signature sneaker? Like, Faker's going to get some no, there, like Atasuka Tigers or something. But
1: there, there's literally nothing to it. Like, he he posted it and then there's been no follow up to Will and I. Like, he was just like, oh, I just wanted to see what it'd be like and if, if they would be interested in it. And people were like, I don't know, I had like 17,000 likes or whatever maybe on on Twitter which d- equates to nothing. Um it's just like so. three,
0: it was probably done with like the the graffiti paintbrush in Microsoft Paint and
1: it's his <laughs> logo. It'd be it'd be great if it yeah, it'd be great if it wasn't even real. Uh, like I thought he actually physically had it done on the shoe, but if it was photoshopped, kudos. That'd be even, even, that better. would be even better. Yeah, it's kind of weird
0: because two of the stripes go behind the van stripe. So I don't know what's going on. Oh,
1: uh, I don't know. Custom uh, some, made. Something fishy He's here. He's got myth. that
0: Fortnite monies. He's gonna be the next LeBron. He's the LeBron of Esports. Write the article. Jacob Wolf, you got the source.
1: But but ninja shoes, will they actually be like those toad shoes and like for ninjas or will they actually will they be sneakers? I don't know. We are I want asking someone the to tough make... questions here. I know, right? This is where we get into the nitty gritty of esports. Will they have flashing lights on them? I don't know. They won't have flashing lights, but
0: apparently what they will have is American dolls. Now that's a pro transition right there. Xbox has a new exclusive and it's a console. Why did Jules say this? Why did we listen to Jules when she said put this in here? So what it actually is is an American doll that comes with an Xbox. So they've decided now that young – if you're not familiar with American doll, which I was not, um, it's 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 a doll made in America.
1: Don't lie. I see that entire shelf behind you with nothing but a – those American f- dolls Funko and that one box. lonely space and that one lonely space just waiting for the Xbox version of the of your American doll.
0: So she's like a gamer girl. She's got pink headphones. She has camo pants because you know camo. And then she comes with a Xbox to blend in with of the games. shame. Of,
1: <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> people buy. I can't this, see your American doll. I don't know. <laughs> She has no legs. No. Um, well, she better I because just, one of
0: the games is like a Dance Dance Revolution ripoff. So she's going
1: to tap dance. So like I, I, of <laughs> I mistakes, of, of mistakes a company could make, regrettable things. Um, this is just like, who won, who approached Xbox for, and said, hey, we should do this? And then who at Xbox says, yeah, sure, that makes sense. uh,
0: Major Nelson, for example, who tweeted the damn thing. That's how it was announced. (laughs) So Major Nelson, the guy that announces all the great things coming to Xbox, goes, and now you can get an American Girl doll with the Xbox gaming
1: set, a console, controller,
0: headset, and, and hold on, and her own gaming
1: chair. Boom. You know what? You know what? This should have been released at E3. Why was this not released at E3? You know this was in the books before E3. They chose not to. They, they wanted the, the Funko Pop Gears uh, stuff, and they, they, they totally bypassed this.
0: What you could have done is instead of trolling people with the Funko Pop Gears game, you could have like trolled them with the Gears of War American doll. You're like Marcus <laughs> Phoenix, the American doll. <laughs> And then you're like, nope, just got you. Gears of War Five. That would have been far more
1: trolly. I, I, I think I, I, I would have. I want to see Gears of War version of it. I think I think you're onto something there. Let's that scar them awesome. while they're young. I got Scarum a spot for there. it.
0: It can go right there between right next my to the Xbox One. I don't even gotcha. know what the themes are of American Girl, so I don't know how out of character a gamer girl would be for American Girl. You have kids. You should know this stuff. Yeah, but they're never getting this kind of garbage. Oh, shut up. I see three of them behind you. You're, like, collecting them like beanie babies.
1: Oh, yes. Exactly. (laughs) Luckily, though... (laughs) I don't know where to go with that. Sorry. I I have no response to that because I was like... And this is why I run the show. You got me. I run the show. So, good news, Seven. Nintendo is starting to
0: take eSports more seriously by starting the... Nintendo Switch Family Showdown on Disney XD. You can be involved because players aged six to eighteen have to submit a one-minute video showing their love for Nintendo. It's coming. We are one step away from a professional Smash League. Thanks to the Nintendo Switch Family Showdown.
1: If we don't get Steve Harvey. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. <laughs> let's 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 be real for a moment. Riot got screwed out of the BAM tech deal, and Nintendo <laughs> swooped in <laughs> with Family that's Feud. That's where that $500 million went. Esports style. Yep, that's it. That's it. Oh, man. Disney had to make a choice. Do we want League of Legends and Riot and all those monies, or do we want Steve Harvey and, you know... Uh, the esports feud. I don't know. Spin this wheel. How much does it cost? How much does Nintendo Switch cost? And people (laughs) have to like bid against each other. I don't know. This is uh... a. What is your favorite gaming
0: accessory? Survey says the American Doll Xbox Edition.
1: I think that's it, man. You can't top that one. All right, we gotta close this this show down. Oh man,
0: man. that was that was my new favorite segment. I am so glad (laughs) that we did that. Oh, man, that's going to do it before we get ourselves into any more trouble. You can, of course, check us out every week on all your favorite podcatchers on iTunes, Overcast, Pocketcast, iHeartRadio. Tune in and at our website at nerfthis.gg. And if you aren't yet, make sure you check out our eSports Daily Show as well, which is available on all those platforms as well as your amazon devices i did not going to say the name because i forgot to mute my microphone on that device and nobody wants to hear us (laughs) in stereo um yeah i think that's gonna do it you can talk to us on the twitters at twitter.com slash nerf this crew and at nerf this gg on instagram and the facebook's um yeah we're getting close to e-league by the way if you are going to the E-League Street Fighter Invitational Grand Finals. Come find us. We'll be walking around. Seven's going to uh test out his uh Optic Nine jersey and his Green Cloud signage and he's going to wear a T-Rex costume, I've been told as
1: well. So. Uh, you keep wanting me to break that thing out, man. You know oh, you promised you. it to me I'm years ago. I'm not going to check your Blizz internet. Down. You know what, Uh, you keep pressuring me and I feel like I need to, before I put that suit on, I need to check your internet history. Just to double check, make sure you're not leading me into a dark corner of the internet. Dark corner of the
0: internet, yes, that was my plan all along. I've got a lollipop and everything.
1: That's going to do it.
0: (laughs) No, No more American Girl doll jokes, we are done. I'm in charge of the show. That's going to do it. We will see everybody next week for another episode of Nerve This. <laughs>